Winning at Work, everybody. I'm your host, Tony Moore. I just want to thank everyone for just a fantastic year as we as we finish up 2021. I think I've had close to 50 food and beverage executives. It's just been incredible. The the number of, of guests that I've wanted to be on. I've even reached out to to many people and asked them to come. And it's just it's just been a fantastic year. In fact, the the podcast has been kind of recategorized as a learning and development podcast. And when that happened, it just got ranked like the top, like like one of the top learning and development podcasts on the internet. And that's just a it's a great honor because that's why people are coming here. That's why you're listening. You're you're coming here to listen to me, listen to the guests and all the great, great ideas that are coming out from them. So just a big thank you to everyone. And as you are listening to this, if you're picking this up on LinkedIn, because I do promote these on LinkedIn, be sure to share this episode on LinkedIn so you can increase my guests influence. You can increase the reach you know, beyond uh, my network on LinkedIn, beyond my guest network, it gets into yours and it helps kind of amplify that brand mission and the purpose. And um, of course, the learning and development, you know, aspects of the podcast. And is if you go back and you listen to all the different episodes that I've had this year, you can see there's been a, uh, a clear trend, you know, in food and beverage moving into the you know natural good for you i've even had some plant-based foods uh on the show but i've made it very clear i'm a flexitarian you know i eat meat and speaking of that my guest today colin or sim yoder and sim we're gonna I, we're gonna have to figure out this middle name this this nickname here <laughs> i gotta i gotta figure this thing out you know that's where that came from but uh, we'll get to that in a minute but um my guest today sim yoder he's the he's the senior vice president of food service sales at brookwood brookwood farms barbecue and barbecue is just absolutely near and dear to my heart i've got every gadget on my um on my deck basically for 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 smoking and for and for grilling i'm known as the grill master but if we really want to get into expert level barbecue we're going to talk about brookwood farms today and and my current and my guest today is going to really kind of walk us through this really interesting uh company and our our topic today is going to be how to how to take a a very successful regional brand and expand it nationally and this is the goal for so many food and beverage companies that they they've proven it. It's it, it's been great locally. It's expanded regionally. But how do we get to that next level? So, with all that said, Sim, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Tony. It's a pleasure to be here. Appreciate the invite. Yeah, no, you're you're welcome. So I touched on it at the top. What so Sim? What is that? What, where did this come from? It, it's a it's an interesting story, uh, Tony. So my given name, like you said, is Colin, and uh, my middle initial is M. So uh, my dad's infinite wisdom was going to call me CM, like JT or whatever. And um, so my younger brother was born, and he started running it together uh, <laughs> as Sim. And it stuck. And I have um, been living with it for 55 years now. So, um, well, 53, because he's two years younger. Um, yeah, you just but, don't know what's going to – it's funny. You know, we 
parents come up with these great plans for their names for their kids, and then it just gets totally thrown out the window, right? Well, you know, it's like it's like I said before. You know, everybody in the South has got a nickname, so um, that that's mine. <laughs> I've never mentioned my nickname ever on this podcast. Oh well, by the end of this one, you're going to have to give it to me. <laughs> uh Oh, it's going to come out. All right, you're going to have to you're going to have to make a mental note and pull it out. Um, well, we've got a lot of ground that we want to cover today, and. I'm, I am. I'm really fascinated with barbecue. Um, but so before we kind of get into our, our main theme, tell us, you know, give us the overview of who Brookwood Farms is and the mission behind the company. Sure. Thank you, Tony. Well, so Brookwood Farms, uh, we're based in a little town called Siler City, North Carolina. And it's um, we're family owned and operated uh, by the Wood family. And um, they've been around. Um, they're actually fourth generation um, meat business. And uh, as you probably know, most most companies don't make it past the second generation. Uh, but uh, currently the Brookwood Farms is owned by Jerry Wood and uh, the third and his brother Craig Wood. Um, but the company was started by their father, uh, Jerry B. Wood, uh, back in 1978 and started off as a retail company um, selling, you know, mostly in the Carolinas and Virginia. Um, pretty much those states and they could pretty much sell their friends. And they actually had been in the hot dog and bolognese and Frank's uh, business. And um, so they had that experience using smokehouses. And um, so that's how they got into the barbecue business, pretty much using smokehouses to make barbecue and really worse. They were struggling to grow the business. So um, when Craig Wood got out of um, NC State, he had this idea about going around and talking to a lot of the local and regional barbecue chains and finding out how they actually cook barbecue. And he came back and he told his father, he said, look, he said, we got to be cooking over live fire and either wood or charcoal. And so in 1982, that's when they started building actual pits. So currently we have over 300 yards of actual barbecue pits built out of brick and mortar and surrounded by stainless steel with hoods. So we actually cook Wait, 300 yards, 300 yards. So that's everyone right. here in the South, you know, football is pretty big. That's, that's right. right. So if you've ever been on a football field, that's a hundred yards. That is massive. It is pretty much like three football fields. Exactly. And it's, it's hard to wrap your head around that sometimes. Um, and it's all under roof. Um, you know, we're, we're USDA inspected, SQF certified level two, all that good stuff, HACCP program. Um, but that's, that's really how we cook barbecue. It's over pits. We cook it for 10 to 14 hours, depending on the protein. But we actually cook overnight in these pits. And then we process and pack and clean the pits and the plant from head to toe and start all over again. So we don't actually use any gas or electric ovens. We don't use any liquid smoke, um, you know, because we're getting that natural smoke flavor from the way we cook the meat, which is, you know, you always hear about low and slow, and that's what we do. So it's um, is it's there any really, other way to cook barbecue? A- absolutely. I mean, you have to. Cook <laughs> I mean, it that low is that's how you that's how you do it. So we're really, you know, doing it the, sort of the old-fashioned way, like a barbecue restaurant would do it. Um, it's it's labor intensive, but it's a simple process, and we always think it makes the best barbecue out there. Um, so it's really more of a Brookwood Farms type branded uh, cooking process. Um, it's we, we don't know of anybody else that's cooking this way. 
uh, but it's brought us a lot of growth over the last 20 years. Um, and we just, we want to stick to that mission of really a true pit cook barbecue that you can't get anywhere else unless you're going to cook it yourself in your backyard using, you know, charcoal and putting in the time and the effort to do it that way. Well, Sim, you said if there's no other commercial food or there's very few that do it this way. Well, how, how else would they cook it? Are they just, just applying just straight heat? So a lot of folks, Tony, I think are using, um, you know, either Southern Pride cookers or using ovens and then they're adding hickory chips or wood chips. Um, you know, you get, you know, there's all kinds of mesquite chips or that kind of things that you can buy at Lowe's, that type of thing. Yeah, the, so the, ex, the kind of the added flavor that they're kind of pumping in at the end. or Absolutely. At, at interval. And, okay, so it's not like real traditional. It's, no. a, it's a method that just makes it quicker. I guess it's quicker that way, the way they're trying Correct. to do it, right? And, and it's funny. We, we make fun of – well, I don't want to say we make fun of it, but we call that lazy cue. You know, every, everybody can put meat <laughs> in an oven. I've not heard of that. That's, That's right. good. <laughs> so you could put meat in an oven and put it, push a button and walk away. Um, that's, that's just not really putting a lot of effort into it. But what we do is we actually have pit masters that stay overnight. Um, you know, they're refiring that charcoal several times a night, you know, they're probing that meat to make sure we're hitting those internal temperatures and that type of thing. So it's, it's very labor intensive, but we think it makes the best product. Well, you've mentioned it twice now that it's labor intensive and I kind of cringe when I hear that just because I know that's kind of an issue these days. Any any word that centers around people and labor that seems to be an an issue. And I know you've you you wanted to kind of share with me some of the trends that were happening in food and barbecue, but I'm sure obviously that's one of them too. Is is the labor issue? Oh, absolutely. Well, it's it's you know the trend when I first started in this business, you know, almost 25 years ago, was really about you know, taking a five pound tub of, of pulled pork that already had sauce in it and uh, just emptying it out and put it in a half pan and serving it. Um, that's not the way it is nowadays. Um, a lot of folks are, um, you know, I give a lot of credit to the Food Network and the Cooking Channel um, showing a lot of the you know, the barbecue competitions and how to cook uh, smoked meats and that type of thing. So really what's happening now is, a lot of folks are looking for that, you know, that really high quality premium product um, that they can create their own barbecue sauce, or maybe they have their own favorite barbecue sauce out there, and they're looking for high quality cooked meat um, that they could add a sauce to it. Um, because right now in the age of COVID, labor is hard to find, and so they don't have a lot of labor to devote the time and the effort to do what we do. So we have that product ready and available for them to get ready in anywhere between 30 minutes to an hour um, because all of our products pretty much come in a cryback bag. You can boil it, steam it, get it ready, and then it's ready to go, and you could add your own barbecue sauce. So right now it's, uh, it's a great time to, to use that type of product um, you know, ready to serve. So do you guys hitting. get involved in barbecue sauce at all, or do you just focus on the you protein? Know, it, it's funny. We, we have sauce products, and we do have a couple of barbecue sauces, but it's really not where we're focused. Yeah, um, it's not your thing? No. no uh, so I had a friend, and he's he's moved out. Well, he's really a friend of my wife's uh, through through work, but he's moved, and he's left the company. But we had him over a couple of years ago, 
and this guy would love to barbecue. And so he brought over um, some pulled pork that needed to be shredded. So, you know, he put on his gloves and he's kind of shredding it because he had just taken it off his smoker. And he said, hey, I've got this barbecue sauce that um, I've been working on developing that I really like. And I was like, oh, cool. So he brought it. And we, you know, I loved it. It was really good. And I was like, you know, and I, I fool around in the kitchen. So I was like, you know, tell me, you know, what the ingredients were. I wanted to try to replicate it. And he literally looked at me like I had just asked him for his social security number. <laughs> That's right. And I'm like, dude, what is your, what's your problem? I'm telling you, Tony, you know, people, people are so uh, passionate. They're protective of their sauces. And um, it's like, it's like, you know, opening up the vault when you ask somebody for their, for their recipes. Um, it, it was. I yeah. literally felt like I had just uh, – well, I'll – It's blasphemous. It was. <laughs> it was. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting. But, you know, it's it, if you really think about it, a lot of barbecue sauces, it's just vinegar and ketchup and some salt and pepper. And But what it is, it's, it's how much. You know, um, one guy. Well, good. Thank you for telling me. So now I can go to work on it, you know, and perfect it. And right. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's just about you put in there. You know, one guy might put in a pound of vinegar. One guy might put in a pound of ketchup. Well, the other guy might put in a half a pound. So it's um, it's all in, you know, nobody ever writes a barbecue sauce recipe down. That's the thing. I don't write any of my recipes down. Yeah. And it it drives my family crazy because (laughs) – they take them to the grave. Uh, we have this thing called Tony Burgers. Oh, nice. You know, they're like, hey, Dad, you know, make your Tony Burgers. Right. And you would think that that would mean there's a set formula. There's not. It's like whatever comes to me, the flash of inspiration, that's what you're getting. <clears throat> and if they love one of them, I was like, well, I hope you enjoy it because I don't know that I can recreate it. That's right. Um, so aside from barbecue sauce, uh, I do think you're, you're on to something though because – that is a uh, a unique kind of add, a unique twist, right? So they can buy this really premium pork product protein and they can serve it however they want to. And they kind of add that little last minute, little touch, that flavor that kind of makes it their own, right? Well, and here's the way we look at it, Tony. We, we've gone to all this effort. I mean, we put in, you know, 10 to 14 hours, depending on if it's pork, brisket, chicken, you know, whatever that protein is. And we've gone to all this effort to, you know, stoking coals and refiring and, you know, probing those temperatures and getting that natural flavor, um, you know, of this meat from smoking it. And why am I going to dump, you know, 50% barbecue sauce into it um, and cover up all that natural smoke flavor? It makes perfect sense. So that's, that's always been our... That's always the joke. You know, how do you want your steak and what kind of ketchup do you want on it? Like, what? <laughs> What is wrong with you? That's right. Exactly. Uh, I'm sorry, but the most flavorful meat needs nothing. Absolutely. Nothing at all. If you've cooked it right, you should be able to eat it just like it is. Just like that. Um, So you, you were, you were kind of talking a little bit offline, you know, saying it was a little bit, it was a bit of a challenge with the, the, the labor, you know, we're going to get to our talent discussion at the end. So why don't we punt that? Let's talk about that at the end. Let's, Let's kind of dive into, I mean, you've got a, a number of, of, uh, of expertise areas, but let's focus on 
growing business. Okay. So, you know, you, you've grown this family business into a national brand. So you got a lot of cook, a lot of cooks and home chefs that, you know, their, their brand is starting to take off. How do you scale without bankrupting yourself? Yeah. Well, we've, we've got great people at Brookwood Farms and, and one of the, the, one of the ways that, um, we've really been able to scale our business was, uh, is a lot of, uh, Craig calls it block and tackle. And um, when when I first came on, they pretty much just, you know, gave me a price list and gave me some samples, said, you know, just run with the ball and, and see what happens. And we really did build this business from the ground up. And we didn't go out and uh, there's, a, there's a saying out there that you can buy the business, which means you go into a distributor and say, you know, I want to buy out these slots or I want to buy out my competitor's business. And we just really never did that. What we did, Tony, was really go out door to door. And it was pretty much myself and, you know, uh, our broker team and just go out and put people, you know, put product in people's mouths and, you know, go into restaurants and go into college universities and that type of thing and just say, just try this. And luckily, um, I really believe we have the best product. And so you really are kind of, you know, going out there and preaching the gospel, that type of thing. Um, so it was just getting in the car and riding up the road and pulling over to whoever would see us and say, and try this. Now, a lot of people just said, you know, you know, barbecue is very passionate and everything else, but they really had never seen a product like ours uh, where it was, you know, charcoal cooked and pit cooked and that type of thing. It always been, oven roasted or smoke, uh, gas cooked and everything was the same. So nobody really could tell one brand from the other. Oh, I see your point because it was all being cooked the same. So in other words, you were crushing them in the, in the taste test. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I've you heard the big problem though, Sim, is just getting, getting the, you know, in today's economy and all the nonsense going on, it's been very difficult just to get that product in people's hands. I don't think you could do the same thing now that, that I was doing 25 years ago. Um, it's just the distributor um, community is so much different in how they operate because I was given a lot of opportunities just to say, okay, you go out there and get the business and we'll bring it in for you. Uh, you know, the distributor, it's a little bit tighter now, especially now because of COVID, because they don't want to take as much inventory on as they used to. Um, so the way we went to, you know, to market is, uh, was really sort of an open door and now it's a little bit tougher. Um, so I don't know if I could do the same thing nowadays. Um, now I will say this, you know, we, we sort of took, um, uh, a risky thing and, and bid on a, um, a group purchasing organization bid and back in 2006 with a healthcare GPO and, uh, we won the bid and, that kind of set us off on a, a larger uh, opportunity with some hospitals and college universities that, that gave us a lot of more uh, broadline distribution across some different states like Michigan, Nebraska, and New York, Texas. And that kind of put us on a, a larger path across the country. And, you know, soon after we started getting some calls from some other GPOs and other distributors and that type of thing. And that really kind of helped us take off from there. If I have some listeners that don't know what a GPO is, can you just give us a, a quick overview of that? Absolutely. So a group purchasing organization, basically what they do is they they cobble together several hospitals or several restaurants, and they pretty much 
go out and uh, work with several suppliers to bring uh, discounted pricing to those groups of hospitals or those groups of restaurants and say, hey, we've got these suppliers that are willing to offer you a discounted pricing on certain products. And so it's really just about, uh, you know, getting those suppliers to, to bid their price, uh, products at a lower price. Um, just because you get, the, and the supplier looks at it just, okay, well, you're going to bring me more, more volume, so I'm going to give you a volume discount type thing. Um, so that that's basically what a GPO does. And then you have other uh, management companies that will come in and, uh, you know, manage your hospital chain for you, um, like Aramark and uh, there's some other folks out there that do type, that type of thing, and they're more of a management type company. And you, can, well, it's a win-win. Obviously, you absolutely. get your you, you get the volume, you get the velocity that you're that you're looking for, and it kind of forces you to expand your infrastructure. Correct. And of course, you're you're now into a um, a more stable you know kind of revenue flow as well. So it kind of helps balance that out. So it's exactly. So you think that was the, one of the keys to kind of breaking it, it out of that, of that that regional model? Correct. And it did allow us to, to go into some more, uh, I'd say, different markets that, you know, maybe we couldn't penetrated uh, before. Um, and it gave us some avenues to say, okay, you know, we've got these products that might not sell in the Southeast. You know, maybe they were better sellers up in the Northeast or the Midwest. For example, um, we started doing brisket um, just because we knew we were going to be selling out in Texas. Well, you know, pulled pork is not as big in Texas as brisket is. So we knew we had to create a, a brisket category. And you talk about really something hard to create. Um, people down in Texas are passionate about their brisket. You better do it right um, or you won't sell a thing. So um, that took a lot of hard effort and a lot of R&D. Uh, that's when I gained about 20 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> taste so, test, taste test, right. taste test. Exactly. Um, I love then, it. That's a, good, that's, that's a good problem to have. And then after that, we started working with some folks that manage airports. And um, we uh, worked with a company uh, at the Charlotte Douglas Airport that allowed us to, to work with them on building a, a, a barbecue kiosk down there under our brand. Uh, that brought us some exposure and you know, it kind of went from there. So now we've got uh, three airport kiosks, one in Charlotte, one in Las Vegas, and one in Seattle. So those are those are kind of ways to to help yourself as far as getting your brand out there. Um, wait, 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 know, wait, wait. Tell, tell me about the kiosk now. I don't think I've – Yeah, so – That sounds it, kind of cool. Um, it, it, it was really interesting because they uh, – the company that manages the airport – uh, restaurants. It's it's a big company called HMS Host. They're a great company to work with. And they actually called us. They said, you know, the airport authority in Charlotte wanted to create a Carolina-themed restaurant. And well, you know, what better themed restaurant than barbecue, right? And they had tried all these barbecue companies and, and they came upon Brookwood and they actually called us out of the blue and said, hey, you know, we'd like to sample some barbecue and could you guys bring it down? And we we're like, sure, you know, what do you guys got going on? And um, well, we want to create this barbecue kiosk. And so we went down there and showed them our product and then they loved it. And they said, well, how would you like to make it a Brookwood Farms kiosk? Sure, absolutely. And so it, this was back in 2003 and it's been going on for, I guess, 18 years now. And it's one of the most successful kiosks in the airport. And it's been written up in some travel magazines as, you know, the best airport restaurant, you know, 
in the industry and that type of thing. And it just it's given us a lot of uh, brand exposure. We actually get calls from people that are flying through the Charlotte airport and want to know how they can get the product. So well, tell um, me, I want to hear a little bit more about that. It, it, it sounds kind of interesting. So when you say kiosk, but then I'm also hearing restaurants. So, well, what, it's, so this is an audio thing here. So kind of just visually kind of tell people what, what they're seeing out there in yeah. the airport. So basically, you know, when you're going through an airport uh, in the industry, we call them a kiosk and it's basically just the airport um, restaurant. Uh, it could be a small type uh, thing where you pop in and grab your magazine and grab a uh, grab and go sandwich, or it could be a full blown um, restaurant like a Chick-fil-A or a Cinnabon or that type of thing. Um, Ours is more, I guess, more of along the restaurant uh, type scale where you actually go in and there's a, uh, a person back there serving barbecue and you can pick out a sliced brisket or pulled pork. And then um, they have um, French fries and the whole deal. And I mean, it's, they actually will serve you a barbecue platter right there. Um, they have the ribs that we do. I mean, Oh, my it's, gosh. It's so they're literally getting full barbecue experience walking through an airport yes, as they wait. Absolutely. And it's, they do an incredible job down there. And we, uh, it's been a great partnership that's lasted 18 years and going. Um, and it's just been a really successful, uh, partnership with the airport as well. So, um, <laughs> it, it's interesting. It's almost like you've created your own food service model to, to support yourself. <laughs> it, it does. And, you know, we, we work with them hand in hand as far as trying new products. It's a great place for us to, you know, if we have something new, we can call them up and say, Hey, look, you know, we've got this new product. What do you think? And it, they'll put it in. And if it goes well, then we can roll it out for our food service division. If it doesn't really have a good response and we'll say, well, we, maybe we won't roll this out. So it's uh, it's a good way for us to look at products like that. Have you even thought about franchising, just looking at the success of that? Has that, I'm sure it's been talked about uh, expanding that, that model. And I know we weren't really going to talk about that, but I just can't help but think that that's. We have Tony. And, and here's the thing, running a manufacturing company that makes barbecue is hard enough. <laughs> running a restaurant company, we'll, we'll leave that to the experts. <laughs> It's, how we look it's at just it. a whole nother level of, yes. of complexity that. Uh, that's right. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, we, we actually have looked into it, but it's just not something we're ready to take on just yet. You kind of need somebody to come to you with the idea, right? To say, hey, we'll do it for you. All right. That's and right. You have, a, you have a partnership. So there you go. You uh, aspiring entrepreneurs. Um, <laughs> you Correct. Reach out we'll to let them take, look, we'll, we'll make the product and we'll let them take all the glory. How about that? There you go. There you yeah. go. That sounds like a, an excellent, uh, excellent business model. Yeah, it um, works for us. Well, it does sound. It kind. It really. It kind of goes back to that GPO. It really sounds like that. Really, kind of opened things up for you, and um, it worked to help promote our brand. That's for sure. I mean, it got our brand out there uh, for sure. And then, obviously, we're still doing the block and tackle, and still trying to get in people's mouths. That's the thing for us. Well, if, if someone, so someone listening to this and they say, okay, great, let's see if we can get into a GPO. Is that a, is that a situation where it's maybe a little easier to have them do the, the product sampling versus? I don't want to say it's easier. It worked for us. I mean, not every, you know, company uh, would go that route, but it worked for us. Uh, the size that we were at and the timing was right and the GPOs that are out there. 
uh, were looking for, you know, family owned companies and uh, they were, you know, looking for that particular category at that particular time. I, I want to say it was just about time. And, you know, the, the other thing I want to touch on about branding too, Tony, and we were very lucky uh, with our business model. We're, we're set up in three divisions. I mean, we have a food service division, obviously, which is about 60% of our business, but we also have a retail division uh, and also a school division. And uh, they each are about 20% each. And so we really play off each other. Um, you know, a lot of folks will, you know, if we're at a trade show or something, they'll come up and say, hey, I've seen this in the grocery store, um, you know, because we do sell our retail products uh, pretty much up and down the East Coast out to Texas. And then on our K-12 side, um, we do process uh, school commodity product across the country. And um, a lot of folks, you know, maybe they'll have, uh, they'll own a restaurant, but their kids have had our product within their school and their child will come home and say, I had the best barbecue. And, you know, they'll say it was Brookwood Farms. And then, you know, that restaurant owners- and going to the grocery stores. Is that, is that a strategy? Do you actually look at where the, the, the K through 12 footprint is and try to match that retail with it? Uh, not necessarily because our K-12 is, is more of a national. Our retail is not national just yet, but we are growing by leaps and bounds. Uh, I tell you, the last year with COVID, um, obviously, you know, restaurants were closing. The kids were sent home from school. And our retail division, because everybody was staying at home, uh, really just kind of took off and really helped sustain our our program, our overall company. Um, so we had Retail a lot of saved a lot of companies because everyone yeah. was still grocery store shopping. Exactly. So it's um, and and what the great thing was now that food service and schools are back, our retail division is continuing to grow. So it gave us an opportunity to to let that light shine on our retail division, and um, we've had just great success with um, with with growing that side of our business. So for the so folks here in, in the South, they're very familiar with, well, of course, nationally, of course, you've mm-hmm. got Kroger, but we've got in the South, and I'm in the South, you are as well. We've got, right. um, we have Publix, you've got Ingalls. Are, when you talk about these retail divisions, or the, or the retail division, um, do you focus on like the regional gr- grocery chains or is, are you starting to look at those national chains? Well, uh, we are in Publix. Uh, we do work with uh, Harris Teeter, which is owned by Kroger. Um, we work with uh, all the food lines. Um, when it comes to sort of the, the real big national companies like Walmart and Super Walmarts and Sam's Clubs, we work on more of the regional type uh, programs with those folks. Um, so we, we do kind of pick and choose on what we can handle and what we want to handle. Um, so it's, it's, you know, we, we want to make sure that we have controlled growth. Um, we don't want to get, you know, we want to make sure that we're growing at the right pace. The other thing for us too, Tony, is, you know, we're, we're cooking on those, those 300 yards of pits and you can only get so much meat on those pits at a time. And now we are getting ready to add another hundred yards uh, to our campus there in Siler City, which is going to give us a lot more opportunity for growth. So that growth is measured, and we want to make sure that we're growing at the pace that we need to grow uh, at going forward. And, you know, all of a sudden you take on all the Walmarts or all the, um, you know, all of whatever business is out there. And then all of a sudden, you know, we, we're just we're doing too much too, uh, in a short space of time. And you don't want to ever leave your customer hanging. 
um, so to speak. Is the uh, is the plan to just kind of continue with the pits there in North Carolina, or are you looking at other geographic locations? We're we're always looking at every single avenue, especially now because you know the, this this year is um, really uh, the, the comeback from COVID is uh, happening faster than we ever thought it would. I mean, when we sat down in January, we were thinking uh, we would recover in probably two to three years. And it's probably going to happen in a year. So um, it's um, it's really coming back to us quicker. Um, so it's which is a good thing. I mean, we're, well, we're we found the same thing that. here too for us. Yeah, yeah. I think that seems to be pretty consistent with what I'm hearing. Um, you know, we do discuss superpowers. It does come up, and obviously, with your background now and. In sales, and of course, now you've risen to, to SVP. I, I'm kind of curious, what is it that is there a certain skill or trait or something that you lean into that you find that you kind of constantly rely on that is enabling you to kind of keep this growth going? I, I will say this, and, and I, I'm accused of, of being bad at not letting things go. Um, <laughs> so I I've got a lot of determination, I guess, is probably, I don't know if that's superpower or not. Um, I think people sometimes, you know, maybe struggle with the way I phrase that superpower mm-hmm. because people don't like to maybe think of themselves that way. But mm-hmm. but it's it's that it's that trait that just shows up all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So for you, it's uh, just a doggedness. Yes. It's, it's persistence. Um, you know, it's... Uh, I don't want to say I don't have a lot of patience, but I'm very persistent. So one of the things that uh, I always want to make sure that Brookwood has a seat at the table and, and that a customer knows who we are. Um, there's nothing worse than hearing about an account that's put barbecue on their menu or they've had an LTO. Um, and we did not get a chance to sample that particular customer. So, you know, if that ever happens, um, I want to make sure that I talk to that customer and understand that why Brookwood was, uh, Brookwood was not included. Um, and, and, and that's fine. Sometimes we're left out of the game. But, you know, my my theory is I, I don't mind losing as long as I'm in the game. And my persistence with our people, our sales team is be persistent, be determined to always make sure that we're in the game. And um, I that has paid off a lot for us and because a lot of people uh, because of the size we are we compete against billion dollar companies that are in the barbecue category so it's you know it's really um tough to well that's daunting yeah i mean that that's that those are scary numbers when you're going up against firms that have that much capital that they can throw at a problem absolutely and they they bring out the fly swatter yeah, that's right. that's right. Well, you know, listen, when you start throwing that around that kind of money, I mean, it's it's uh, daunting. Um, and we don't have that kind of money to compete. So we have to compete with our product. And luckily for us, our, compo- our, our product wins a lot of the time. Um, now, I don't blame any customer for buying product based on price because you have to do what's financially feasible and what's financially affordable for you to do. And I'm not saying that we're the highest priced out there. We're usually right in line with everybody else, but I always want to make sure that we're in the ball game 
and we're persistent about uh, making sure that customer knows that, you know, we think we have the best product and it's high quality and it's, you know, we want to make sure that we get it in their mouth and try it and let us, you know, put the best price out there for them that we can afford. So that's, I don't know if that, I would consider that a superpower, but I think persistence is one of the traits that makes us, you know, our sales team very good. Well, now, so do you look for that when you're hiring? Absolutely. I mean, so I, how do you, so is there, I mean, I, I think behavioral style questioning is, is what you want. Yes. So um, do you, do you have a couple of questions or is there a, um, you know, an angle and approach that you take to uncover that, that quality in someone else? Yeah. You, you, I mean, one of the things for me, Tony, is having good team chemistry and, you know, so it's, it's hard to really get a feel for how uh, your team chemistry is going to be once you bring a person in because you have maybe one or two interviews with that person and you try to get a beat on them. Um, luckily for me, our team has been together probably 10 plus years. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think I've you know, maybe let one person go, maybe two people go in my 25 years. But persistence is a trait that every one of our people has. Um, and obviously you want to hire people not based on their resume history or what they've done in the past, but you really want to just understand how their personality is a good fit for the team. You know, um, will they fit in or, you know, do they, do they bring that good personality? Can they relate to you? That type of thing. And sometimes it's just intuition. Um, but a lot of times you're just looking for a motivated person, determined, um, there also has to be patience in there too, um, which is kind of the opposite of being persistence, but sometimes patience pays off as well in the sales uh, field. Well, you have to be, you know, there is a, a, my call professional persistence, you know, you, you, there's a way to go about doing that. And that is patient. I remember years ago when I had, when I was first getting in the business, I really wasn't patient at all. Mm. And I had done great work for a client, but she pulled me aside. She said, Tony, you kind of, you kind of need to scale it back a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you. And you know, I appreciated that, that feedback because, you know, I was pretty hard charging, you know, I've had to kind of dial back the A type in me, you know, to. Mm-hmm. I'm the same know, way, Tony. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, one of the things that I've learned uh, and it's, it's taken me a while, but there are two things that I, I, I like to see is obviously passion. You know, I'm very passionate uh, about our products, but I'm, I'm very passionate about, you know, life and, you know, I want to live it to the fullest and that type of thing. But I also try to see, you know, there's got to be some humbleness, you know, because you're not going to win every time unfortunately in this business. And sometimes you have to take a little bit of bite of humble pie. Um, so every once in a while, that's, that's one of the things you just have to, uh, okay, we lost it, you know, and then move on and maybe try to go back and get it again. But, um, humbleness can really help, um, when you're out there selling. Um, so one of the, that's one of the things I actually talk to people about in, in the interview process. Um, uh, that's one of my interview questions is, are you humble? And um, I've gotten some interesting answers when I've interviewed people in the past. It's been interesting to hear. Yeah, I bet you go to. I, I bet you a lot of different answers on that. And I've I've talked about this before. And I think the the real challenge is just 
knowing what you want to listen for. I mean, because you can come up with these great questions and you can even behavioral or just straight up like you just did, you know, give me an example of, of when you were humble. Um, but then you just kind of have to suss out. That's right. Is that a good enough? Is the answer good enough? It, I tell you, hiring is, is, is so tough. Do you ever um, take people out to have, you know, dinner or lunch or break bread with them? Absolutely. I mean, that's one of the things that that really them, helps figure out. Yeah, you know. it's you put them in a public setting and see how they react uh, to people and to um, to you know to waiters and to to servers and that type of thing. I think um, I, I forget who it was. Uh, I don't know if it was Jack Welch or something like that, but I read about uh, uh, put them in a, a situation, and I've never done that where. Uh, it's a setup, you know, like the server comes over and brings them the wrong meal or something like that and see how they react. But um, you always want to put them in that type of setting. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. I, I think it was Jack Welch, but he he always put his interviewees, uh, he took them to the same restaurant, and they always knew when Mr. Welch would walk into this restaurant, he was with an interviewee. And they always brought whoever he was interviewing the wrong meal to see how they would react. And if they reacted the wrong way, like, oh, you jackass, you brought me the wrong meal, he wasn't going to hire him. So if they said, oh, I'm sorry, you brought me the wrong meal, I ordered such and such, he knew that they were, you know, a good possible, you know, person to hire. It just shows you their heart. I mean, that's what you're trying to suss out. Yes. And I was, um, I, I really think it takes more time to do this, but I'm a firm believer in really kind of trying before you buy. Yeah. You've got to figure out a way to do that. And I'm in the process now of kind of redesigning how I, even how I want to hire people. Mm -hmm. And you've got to, um, you got to kind of put them through the paces because no no matter what they say, they've got to do it at some point. So if you can watch them do it, it's it's always going to now be listen, a risky hiring is thing. too expensive. Yeah, too time well, that's consuming. the thing. I've always heard it's 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 more expensive to fire somebody than it is to hire somebody, um, and so I've always kept that in mind. Now, luckily, I have not had to, you know to do that very often, but um, in the back of my mind, I'd rather try to keep somebody and you know really try to help them learn and and you know get them better. Um, than to let them go. Now, mm-hmm. sometimes you just have to cut the cord, but, um, yeah, yeah. yeah it's get, slow to hire, quick to fire. That's right. That's another, that's another good one. That's um, right. Absolutely. I'm, I'm curious as we, as we kind of wrap up, we haven't really talked about the best way for people to, to sample or try Brookwood. Do, do you guys have, uh, like an e-commerce, is that part of your website? What's- we do. Um, so you can go straight to www.brookwoodforms.com and request samples directly from us. Um, the way we sample is um, we have one pound tubs of, um, of pretty much every product that we do on food service. And um, you can uh, request pretty much any sample. Now, we do have brokers in every state that can also bring it right to your door or right to your restaurant. Um, so we try to make it as easy as possible to sample our product because um, it's, like I said, it's it's getting our product in people's mouths to try. And um, that's one of the things, you know, for us is the more people we can sample, the more product we can try to sell. So that's I mean, always if you've got the premium us. product, I mean, that's what, that's what people want. That's now, what about for the consumer? 
Well, what can they do? If Is, is there a way for them to order anything online? A- absolutely. Uh, we do have a webpage um, that you can actually order product. Um, and we do take credit cards online, so you can order it straight from there. We've got um, everything from pulled pork to brisket to uh, chicken products, the ribs there. Um, uh, pretty much everything that we do on food service, you can order online. So, um, you know, I really didn't didn't think this podcast through very well because I'm talking to you about barbecue and it's lunchtime. <laughs> That's right. And I'm dying here. That's right. It's my coffee and my water just are not hitting the spot. You also need to get some so, sweet tea. <laughs> oh well, now come on, you know. That's right. Or a cold there's beer, sweet right? tea, then there's nothing else. That's I mean, right. what do you do with unsweet tea? You, know, you pour oh, it down man. the drain. Tell I mean, me now, I'm getting hungry. Oh man. Uh, we 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 call uh, I call sweet tea Southern brown wine. Oh yeah, you gotta have sweet tea. Gotta have it. Gotta yeah. have it. Well, I, I'm I'm just I'm. So glad to have a, have gotten a chance to, to get to know you and, and learn more about Brookwood Farms. And I really encourage everybody to to go and and sample and try it and just see you know just see for yourself. I mean, I I think I'd love to to do the same. Would well, lo- <laughs> love lunch, to have you come up and see us, Tony. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And um, please come by uh, Brookwood Farms next time you're up in North Carolina. I'd love to have you. Yeah, that that's fantastic, Sim. Thank you so much for being here. And other than LinkedIn. Are there any other ways that you would like people to connect with you, or is that really the, the best we, way? We do have an Instagram you? page. It's um, uh, Brookwood uh, Farms Barbecue uh, on Instagram. So we do have a page there, and we also have a page on LinkedIn. Like you said, uh, we're also on Twitter uh, at Brookwood Farms Barbecue. So um, check us out and um, uh, drop us a line. Let us know uh, what you think about our product, and um, we're always trying to to touch base with our customers. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it, Sim. Thank you, Tony. Pleasure to see you.